you're someone special. You are somebody special. And we're delighted that you're here today. I'd like to direct your attention to the first epistle of John. This is not the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is on page 700. The first epistle of John is on 788. At least in my Bible. It might be probably vastly different in your Bible. We want to go to 1 John 3. And we're going to start reading in verse number 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, the first appearance of Jesus was to take away sin. The Bible reveals to us in the book of Hebrews that he will appear the second time without sin. And what that simply means is between the first appearance and the second appearance, there's a work that's going on. There is a process in the human dimension that is taking place. Verse number three, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Which means... We know we need to be taking care of some business because of the hope that is in us. Look at verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin. Somebody said amen. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. This is where I want to park. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, for this reason, 
this is why the Son of God was manifested. That he might destroy the works of the devil. That's good news. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin for his seed. That's talking about God's seed, the word of God, remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Important stuff. Powerful passage of Scripture. I want to talk to us for a few moments about destroying the works of the devil. Is that all right? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you for this great assembly that has come together to lift up and exalt the name that is above every name. Worship him in spirit and in truth. There's also precious people among this great host that are needing, searching, seeking. I pray for the power of the Word of God, the moving of the Spirit of God, the reality of the presence of God. to be so real to every human being in this room. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Before we, um, before we get too far in this this morning, I really feel like I need to bring about some clarification. This is not a typographical error, and it's not, it doesn't lack verity of, re of rendering between the original and our English version, but it does require some explaining. In verse number 8, it says, he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. This is not talking about an individual that from time to time would make a mistake or sin. Because in 1 John chapter number 1, Begin reading in verse number 7, it says this, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the untrained eye and the casual biblical reader 
may look at that and say it looks like there is a discrepancy there between 1 John 3 and 8 and 1 John chapter number 1, verses 7 through 10. No, there's a great distinction there. And the distinction is, is in chapter number 3, is talking about an individual that sinning is a regular practice. It's talking about an individual that um, they are living in sin. They have no intention of changing their sin. They are committing it on a daily, maybe even an hourly basis. In chapter number one, it is talking about an individual that is baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, is in right relationship with God and right relationship with the body of Christ. In fact, it makes the reference that if we are right with our brother, then the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us, which means just like in a human body, when there is a component of the body that is, that is right with other members of the body. There's no disease. There's no dysfunction. That the flow of blood is transporting waste regularly through the body. Sin is not an overruling characteristic of that person. It might be the odd characteristic of that person, like Every once in a while, the enemy may come around and start working on a weakness. And this is why it says in Hebrews chapter number 12, the sin that so easily besets us. But sin is not a regular practice. Like they're not sitting here today thinking about as soon as I get out of here, I'm going to go back to my life of sin. Does everybody understand that today? I feel like I need, needed to make that distinction but even if you are an individual that walked in here today and maybe you're living in adultery or fornication or, or you have a pornography problem, the, the God I serve is bigger and better and stronger than any sin in your life. In fact, if you are, if you are in that qualification, that that, that characteristical qualification uh, describes you here today. We're glad that you're here. This is the place for sinners. This is not the place for perfection. This is a place for truth. And if I'll obey truth and God will deliver me from my sins, then I can follow after truth. And if I need the blood of Jesus Christ, oh, let's just go ahead and clap our hands and give him praise. When you have fundamentalism and you have people that are incredibly perceptive about doctrine and perceptive about the fundamentals of Scripture. It is a wonderful thing. To have a revelation of truth is an incredible thing to possess in the 21st century. No, I want to tell you, I thank God every single day that I have an understanding of who God is. He is Jesus is not the second person in some man-made religious trinity, but he is God manifest in the flesh. 
The entirety of the world does not understand that. I'm thankful here this morning that when I was baptized, it was not in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but it was in the name above every name, the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I think you should get a little bit more excited about that because I'm talking about truth. I'm talking about the Word. I'm talking about the Almighty God. When I understand that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not some figment of the religious imagination, but it is a beautiful reality of God extending this to humanity. I am excited about it here this morning. And if you're in this building today, you ought not walk out of here without everything that God has for you. Absolutely everything that God has promised for you. Oh, I would that there was somebody, maybe in the back, that lifted up their voice like a trumpet and said, you know what? I understand who I am, and I understand who he is, and I understand what I have. Go ahead and shout with a voice of triumph. But even with all those things, the wonderful characteristics and revelations of truth, it is a horrible place for self-deception and self-righteousness. It just is. And this is why the Pharisees were in great number at the, to at the time of the birth of Jesus. They were a group that was an outgrowth of the post-exilic history of the nation of Israel. They're back in their homeland under the auspices of minor prophets. But the Jews became restless, especially intertestamentally between the book of Malachi and the arrival of the angel Gabriel. There was great religious restlessness among the Jews. And it was a horrible time of self-righteousness and Phariseeism. Which is why Jesus used that illustration of a Pharisee going into the temple. And then just some old ex-drug rock, rock, rocker like myself, sitting over, standing over on the other side of the altar. And the Pharisee was just saying, oh, I'm just thankful I'm not like that guy over there. And the guy over there wouldn't even lift his head. He said, God, have mercy on me. If you're in this auditorium today and you're just, you're just realizing, I just need the mercy of God, welcome home. I need the grace of God, welcome home. I need the Spirit of God, welcome home. Oh, I would that there was a thunder in the pew today that would... This is not for perfection. This is for dedication. Because direction is more important than perfection. Clap your hands and give God the praise.
Somebody lift your voice. I may be a slob doing my job, but bless your heart, I'm under the blood. And I know who Jesus is. Theologically speaking, there's more than a few scriptures that describe the panoramic plan of God. And you know, the denominational world does have some understandings because they're, they're given freely from the Word of God. But the reality of it is is the greater your revelation and your understanding, your point, your viewpoint is farther back than what the humanity can comprehend on its own. You see, inspiration must bow to revelation. And our denominational world is filled with inspiration. But honey, nothing can touch something that comes through redemptive lift of revelation. When you get revelation, you get elevation. When you get revelation. That's why in the 21st century, you're already starting things to start thinning out. And as the days beginning continue to move into the end time, I believe that you are going to see a demonstration of the Almighty God that mirrors and duplicates what the apostles saw. I believe that as denominationalism begins to dry up because of their code of conduct and man-made program, it's going to have to yield to the baptism of reality and the move of the Almighty God. Somebody lift your hands and shout unto a faithful creator. In fact, the man that is our program or a project manager for our building across the street. I'm excited. Next next week you got to be here. Bring everybody because we're going to have half the service here and then we're going to go across the street and we're going to finish our service in our new sanctuary. Some of you have never even seen it yet. I'm so excited for you to see it. That is not for the ego of man, but that is to be a city on a hill that says... The church of the living God should not be collapsing. It should be growing. It should be stretching. It should be taking new territory right in the face of the devil. But when you theologically, it is a form of theology called teleology, like a telescope. It's collapsible which means you all you get micro and you get macro. Micro means that you can stick a particular word or a phraseology under the scope of theological study, and you can begin to view it that way. But when you get the macro view, you're stepping back and seeing the world view and the universal view from God's perspective, and it helps form a proper understanding of who we are 
and what we're doing on this planet. When I was thinking about this particular scripture in 1 John 3 and 8, I was reminded of Galatians 4 and 4, the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4 says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman and made under the law. The Apostle Paul in chapter number 4 is reverberating this truth of a Savior that is coming through the lineage of Abraham and is going to be a Savior unto the Jews. And he was talking about in the fullness of time. That word is not chronos. It's not talking about the watch that you have on your wrist. But it's talking about kairos. It's talking about at a specific moment in God's plan. It has nothing to do with history. It has nothing to do with the the calendar. But God said this is the time. And that is one scripture that you can understand. The macro view of God. But we can go even further back than that and see a bigger view. Go to John chapter 3 and verse number 16. This is the salvific scripture of the denominational world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's taking a step backwards and giving us more uh, of 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 a universal view of the program of God and the purpose of man. And then you have 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. We won't go there. Where it's talking about that Jesus delivers up the last enemy, which is death. And almost all things are under his feet. But in this particular passage that I read in your hearing this morning, I believe it takes us back further than any other scripture than I, that I have brought forth here this morning. When it says that he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. I don't believe that you can come up with a theological scripture that can go back any further than that, unless it's Genesis 1 and 1. Because the Bible lets us know that at the point of creation, according to the book of Job, chapter number 38 and verse number 14 through 17, that when the sons of God saw creation, that they rejoice for joy. All of the archangels rejoice. All of the seraphims and the teraphims and the cherubims rejoice together to see the creation of the world and the creation of man. But when God gave man dominion, there was one angel that said, you know what? I wanted that. I wanted planet earth. I wanted dominion. I wanted control. And that's when sin entered his heart. Jesus saying that I saw Lucifer or Satan fall as lightning in the very beginning. This is going beyond Galatians 4 and 4. This is going further back than John 3.16. This is going all the way back to where there was just angels. And one angel said, I am going to rule this thing. I'm going to be like the most high. I'm going to put my throne above. And God said, you're out of here. When you, think you're, when you think you're a greater authority than God called authority, it's time for you to take the exit. And that's exactly what God was saying. God said there's only going to be one God. This isn't even equal. It's not even fair. And The book of Jude tells me that the angels that kept not their first estate, their first habitation, are kept in chains of darkness. 
Isn't it amazing that you and I are caught in a drama, a real, living, eternal drama that is against this fallen angel called the devil and the true and living God. Here several weeks ago, we had a little game with the audience, and I'm thinking we need to play it again. I'll say one word, and you say the opposite, okay? Black, up, in, God. I think we caught a couple of you. Last time, I'm just having fun. Last time we did this, there were more than a few people that blurted out the devil. I want to unequivocally, absolutely tell you that God has no equal. No, no, no. It's not even close. It's not even close. If you lived a billion lifetimes, it still wouldn't be close. The devil is a created being. All he knew was perfection. All he did was see God in his omnipotence and resplendence. And there was still pride that was found in his heart. Let me throw another scripture out there that goes all the way to the back to help us understand this panoramic view. And you're, you're supposed, we're supposed to live our lives according to this panoramic view. I'm not living my life according to who's the president. I'm not living my life according to what Fox News says. I'm not living my life according to social media. I'm not living my life according to what, the, uh, what Fauci says. I'm living my life according to what God says. Somebody go ahead and shout. Somebody go ahead and give him praise. That's not arrogance. That is truth. That's not arrogance. That's reality. There's a scripture in Ezekiel chapter number 28 that said that that was in Eden since the day that that was created, which meant Satan fully understood what was going on in that environment. And so, I don't want to mischaracterize this, but I want to put this in a way that maybe you could understand this. So, here comes Adam. Mine in his own business. Kind of. Here comes Eve on her way to Macy's. Come on, and all the women said amen. Adam was given dominion. Adam was given authority. Adam was given power from God. And Satan said, not going to happen. And so he tricked 
tricked. He used trickery to steal and defile the human race, and the entire, entire human race fell when Adam and Eve fell. Pastor, why does that even matter? Because there's a lot of people that say, "What well, this is going on and that's going on, this is going on. If you're not careful, you'll get caught up in that spirit of the world and you're afraid, you're nervous, you don't know how this is going to end up. You don't, listen, just stay faithful. I'm going to say that again, just stay faithful. God is in control. God is letting this stuff happen. Oh, I want a perfect world. I want to go back to the way it was in the 40s. I hate to break the bad news to you, but it ain't never going back. It is never going to go back. But God is raising up a people, and God is raising up a church. Not one hair on your head is going to be removed without his observation, without his approval. God is in control. So, in the context of this scripture, it says that the devil sinneth from the beginning. And for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so you and I are caught in this. And there is no escape. I don't care how far back in the woods you want to live. I don't care if you come out of there like Rip Van Winkle. You're still a part of this. If you're breathing and you're a human being, you are a part, you are caught in this. I am caught in this. You are caught in this. There is no escape from this. So what we need to do is make up our mind right here and right now. I am not defined by a social security number. I am defined about what God says about me. If God said I got power, then I got power. If God... If God said he's a healer, then he's a healer. If God said he's a way maker, then he's a way maker. We need to decide whose side we're on today. Who is on the Lord's side? There is no escaping this. You cannot hide in your hobby. You cannot hide in your little world of video games with relationships that aren't even relationships. You can't hide behind your computer screen and find your little happiness. The entire human race is caught in this incredible dynamic that existed before you and I were even born. And so what do you say we make up our minds? Let me help you out. What has the devil ever done for you? 
As soon as you got that doctor's report, that's when the devil opened his big fat mouth. But Isaiah tells me, who shall believe? Who's going to believe the report of the Lord? What do you say we make up our minds that I'm on God's side and we got work to do? I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're at, but I'd stand to my feet. I'd clap my hands. I'd let my voice roar. My life is not defined by a paycheck. It is defined by the Word of God, and it's validated by the Spirit of God. There's an interesting scripture in the book of Luke, chapter number four. But before we go there, I want to go to Isaiah 14, because this is going to help us. Isaiah 14 and verse number 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? But thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. Look at verse number seven. Look at verse 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Ladies and gentlemen, the devil has a forwarding address. When he reminds you of how bad you messed up, you need to remind him of. If we confess our sins, he is just and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Go ahead and get excited. Go ahead and praise him. You are not made to fail. You are made to go to heaven. You may be seated. Verse number 17 of the same chapter. That made the world as a wilderness. Adam and Eve started in the garden and they ended up in the wilderness. Jesus started his ministry in the wilderness and ended up in a garden. When my wife and I came here 27 years ago, it was a wilderness. There wasn't a building, there wasn't a group of people, there wasn't a bunch of hallelujahs, there was a bunch of silence, but we had a revelation that we are here to destroy the works of the devil through the... There's got to be somebody in this huge metroplex that wants to get off drugs and throw away the bottle and get away from pornography and get away from filthy living and, get, and live with the victory and live with the power and know Jesus Christ. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph.
in your face, devil. If it's going to be God, really God, it's going to start in the wilderness and end up in a garden. Satan caused the world to be made a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof that opened not the house of his prisoners. Satan says, if I can get this kid hooked on pornography, I'm going to keep him on pornography. If I can make this child full of bitterness from being abused, I'm going to keep feeding the bitterness. If I can get this, people, this person in a cage of condemnation and shame, I'm going to do whatever I can to keep that cage where it needs to be. Honey, welcome to the place of liberation. I've come to preach to you the Emancipation Proclamation. You might have walked here with chains on your hands, but if you can get them up, Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the You may be seated. Luke chapter number 4. Before Jesus could ever begin his earthly ministry, the spirit led him into the wilderness. And his final temptation is chronicled for us in Luke chapter number 4 and begin reading in verse number 5. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to Jesus, all this power, that word power there is not dunamis, it is exousia, which means authority. All of this authority and the glory of this for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it until the time that Jesus got here the entire human race was under the crushing heel of satanic forces to varying degrees and here the devil is talking to Jesus in this last temptation on the top of a mountain. All this power will I give to you and the glory of this, for that is delivered unto me. I've got it. It's mine. The president is mine, spiritual wickets in high places. The mayor is mine, rulers of darkness of this present world. That's just what you think. Because when we go across the street, we're going to invite the mayor, city councilman, Kathy McMorris, senators, law enforcement, and we're going to say, we're so glad you're here. Now feel the presence of an almighty God. Come on, somebody. Come on, young men. Get the victory over the wicked one. 
Come on, young man. Be strong in your exploits against the darkness of this world. Is this too big of a picture for us? That there are forces that you are challenging every day that your feet hit the floor? That there are forces of darkness that are going to try to keep you silent? And they're going to try to keep your mind diverted. And then they're going to get you hung up on some little offense that's not worth shooing some fly off a windowsill over to keep you from witnessing and being powerful in the unction and who you are in God. I'm here to tell you, my God, I feel it all over me right now. If you could get... If you could get one glimpse of who you are, you'd go out of this place and you'd witness to somebody in the restaurant, on the telephone. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. I didn't come here because of an organization. I didn't come here for a fellowship. We came here for a dimension of the Holy Ghost. I wonder what Satan showed him. I wonder what... When Satan took Jesus into that high mountain and showed him all of the glory, I wonder if he showed him the screaming eagles of Rome, the roaring lion of Greece. I wonder if he showed him the early Olympics. And people filling the Colosseum. I wonder if he showed them people like in Ezekiel's day that were lovers of the sun. The god Tammuz. I wonder if he showed them a football stadium. Oh, it's getting quiet now. It's getting real quiet now. Pastor, I didn't know I was in that kind of a church. Uh Uh-huh, you're in that kind of a church. You're in that kind of a church that is extreme. This is extreme that there is a fallen angel that wants to take you to hell and will blind you every day of your life, will tell you lies every day of your life, will tell your children lies every day of their We have come to preach the truth, and the truth will make you. My eyes are open, devil. I ain't never going back to that. You ain't never going to get me in that box again. Somebody shout. Somebody give him glory. I wonder if he showed a rock concert. I wonder if he... Cultural sociologists are dipping their pens in the quill of ink and they're putting to parchment 
how that the remnant of the American dream is still alive generationally in America. I did not come to ruin your dreams and ruin the rest of your day. But I'm here to tell you that the American dream, like previous generations knew it, is no longer available. But what is available is you can get in alignment with God. And you can do a number before you get out of here. You can do a work before you leave. You are listening to a pastor that believes this with all of his heart and believes this with all of his mind. Somebody shout with a voice of trust. To destroy the works of the devil. This was Lucifer's last attempt to sidetrack the Father. What has taken thousands of years of meticulous prophetical utterance and prophetical fulfillment to put Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph and Israel, and the promised land, and then Babylon, and then post-exilic, and the careful, meticulous planning of prophecy, and the scarlet thread of redemption. This is Lucifer's last opportunity to sidetrack with fame, with power, with influence, if you will just fall down. I wonder if this is why the Apostle Paul says, yield not your members as members of unrighteousness, for you are no longer under bondage. Lucifer said, I'll give all this to you. The money, the fame, the prestige, the position. Holding your nose in the air with so much pride. I'll give it all to you. If you fall down and recognize that I'm the God of this world. Jesus didn't even think about it. Jesus didn't even blink. It went in one ear and out the other. He said, you know what? Get behind me. Some of you walked in with a problem. Why don't you speak to it? Get behind me. Get under my feet. Get away from me. Get off of my children. Get out of my family. Get out of my home. Somebody shout. Somebody praise him. Somebody recognize him. You're part of a, a cosmic struggle.
pardon me, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious in any shape or form. But I can imagine Jesus is just standing there, just waiting for the devil to quit flapping his jaws. You know what? This thing is mine. I'm now in charge. Get behind me. Why don't you speak that? That's trying to destroy your family. That's trying to destroy your brain. That's trying to destroy your life. You know what? This belongs to me. Get behind me. Come on, do it. I've listened to the lies of the devil as long as I shall. This life is mine. Get thee behind me. Just remain standing. Just remain standing. Jesus said, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. I don't care how much money you're trying to give me, devil. I'm staying in the church. I don't care how much you want to give me. I'm staying where God put me. No matter how. I don't care how much lust the devil wants to satisfy. I'm staying in the church. Just remain standing. When you worship, to some of our precious visitors, you're probably wondering, my God, what kind of group of people is this? I'll tell you what kind of group of people this is. We're from another world. We have dual citizenship. Our nation loves aliens right now, so why not love us? I have dual citizenship. I have citizenship here while I'm here in the body, and I have a place that's reserved for me, and you do too, and the devil's not going there. The devil will never touch it. The devil will never taste it. Jesus heard the devil blow his old hot, dirty, stinking, foul breath through his old stained yellow teeth. And they weren't coffee stains because I ain't preaching against coffee. Probably nicotine. And Jesus said, there's only one object to worship. Cornerstone, when you stand to your feet, raise your hands, raise your voice, you're letting the devil know You ain't got no ties on me. 
I'm here to destroy what everybody outside this building believes. We're here to make it right. This is holy rebellion. We are rebelling against the spirit of this world. We are rebelling against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are rebelling against the rulers of darkness of this world by worship. Go ahead and lift your hands. Go ahead and lift your voice. Go ahead and praise the Lord. Okay, 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 okay. What, what, th- this is why Cornerstone is just now getting to the place where it's going to start becoming really fun because we've settled a lot of the deeper issues. Our, our tent stakes have gone deep enough where we're, we're this, this, this whole thing is already demonstrating that. But I'm going to tell you what, when, the, when, uh, when, we're, 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 when, when, when Cody Cobbs takes a lap, I go, right there, devil. When Sister Schumann lifts her hands and her voice, I go, right there, devil. When this, when this brother takes a lap, right there, devil, we are destroying the works. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You might be here today, and you're saying, you know, this just sounds too good to be true. I don't, I, I, I know that the devil, you know, Van Halen wrote a song years ago, and I used to play the song. It's called Running with the Devil. I want to tell you, there's people here today, you've been running with the devil. Let me tell you how you defeat sin. If you flick your cigarette and you say, I am done, you are destroying the works of the devil. If you make a commitment that I am not going to drink ever again. You are destroying the works of the devil. With every sinner that repents, there is an angel doing a somersault saying they are destroying the work. Somebody shout. Somebody pray. Somebody glorify. Somebody magnify. 